Fire up the braai, it's on the whistle time. I'm Zane Nabi, and I'm one of the co-hosts and the founder of the On The Whistle podcast. Today, we have the charismatic Dylan Kerr sitting down with Courtney Fries. Kerr has been on the podcast before, talking about some of the successes he's had at TTM. Today, he talks to Courtney about the biggest challenge of his professional career and that's coaching Morocco Swallows in South Africa. The Dube Birds, the original Soweto Giants, are a team that are hoping to avoid the drop. Kerr has been brought in with a big job to do. He talks to us about his goals for the club, how he hopes to win a trophy and explains how the team's current setup with 48 players in the squad is financially draining the team. He also has a South African legend in Fanny Madida as his assistant coach. Without further ado, here's our podcast with Dylan Kerr. Courtney Fries, my co-host of the interview, and he caught up with Kerr in his favorite watering hole in Johannesburg. Kerr is at his charismatic best. He starts off by explaining about the exhibition tournament he just won with a regional team from Johannesburg. Enjoy the podcast. First of all, it was like, because of AFCON, the league was suspended for seven weeks. So we, <laughs> typical South African soccer, they make things difficult. And I took over at Morocco Swallows when they had six games in 17 days. So it was a very, very difficult time for me to try and get results because I didn't know the players. I didn't know the makeup of the team. I didn't know my technical staff. And then we played the six games in 17 days. I only got, I got six points, which is more than the previous coach got in 12 games. So in six games, I got six, uh, six points, but I also, uh, I got nine goals. So, and, and in previous, they'd only had three. So it, it, it was like really, really good on one aspect, but bad on the other. But then after the Christmas and New Year break, the PSL and DSTV were our league sponsors. Because of South Africa not being in the AFCON, they decided to come up with a competition and it involved the fans. And it was called the DSTV Compact Cup. Basically, the fans selected their players. Uh, there was four teams with four streams, two inland and two coastal. So basically, the fans picked the teams. And I was, I was fortunate enough to be picked for the inland team, which was called Warriors, which was Galaxy, Swallows, Chiefs and Pirates. So you pick up the team. Um, how long did you have to train with them, Dylan? We had uh, we had four training sessions: two Thursday and Friday before the game on Saturday, then the following Thursday and Friday before the final. Basically, it was a semi-final and a final. And they had a third and fourth place playoff, and we beat the coastal stream of. Um, of the Durban Coastal Stream teams, which was Arrows, Maritzburg, Amazulu and Royal M. And we played another coastal stream, which was obviously Cape Town City, Stellenbosch, Barocca and Chip United. And we basically, the, the, all I had to do was do the training, be the head coach, but I never had any control of the, the team selection or uh, they allowed six substitutes, but three were chosen by the, the supporters, one at half time, one after 60 minutes, and one after 80 minutes, 75 minutes. And plus we had four young players that had to play and they had to come on the, 
if, you, if, if one came off, one had to go on. So it was a really strange uh, way that they did it, but it, it was very, very good. It was very, it was very, um, I think it was a good inspirational way of playing football when there's no football in South Africa. The only problem is there was no fans still allowed. But, you know, Dylan, that, that tournament that you're talking about is a very forward-thinking way of putting a tournament together. You know, it involves the youth. The youth must play. Uh, it involves the supporters picking the coaches, the supporters picking the team. That is a first time I've never heard of something like that happen. Well, it was, to be fair, because obviously because we had Chiefs and Pirates in our stream, in our team, I think we had, I think I, I think I amassed about 4 million votes. So 4 million fans voted for me to be head coach. And that is so you know, good for your, uh, your personal marketing of what you intend to do with Swallows. So you go on, you win this trophy. Who did you play in the final, Dylan? We played a team called Dinedi. No, it wasn't Dinedi. It was Coastal. Coastal, Coastal Union is the team that we played. And it was, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. It's fantastic. Somebody's now playing basketball outside. <laughs> so it was absolutely Please, Dylan. fantastic. Let's continue. Don't worry about I'm so happy. And I'm just going to mention to our viewers, you and I have tried to make this interview work. You were even sitting in a toilet. <laughs> but yeah, so no, it's so basically uh, we, we won the game 2-1. Um, I've got to get another tattoo. I promised them again another tattoo. It's another trophy. Um, but it was it, it, it was it was something different. And a lot of people had a bit of, uh, well, a lot of people had a bit of a negative stands towards it. I thought it was great. I thought the fans, who for me are the heart and soul of football, mm. uh, were, were, were very, very good at selecting the teams. Obviously, they, they always pick the Chiefs and Pirates players first. So most of the Chiefs and Pirates players played in the game and there were sub substitutes were made that the, the Chiefs and Pirates fans were voting for, for their players. So, like I said, it was it was a it was a, the first of hopefully many more. We, we made mistakes. Everybody had made errors, and you know, but if it, you but if you don't make errors, you don't you you'll never have a, a successful tournament. And like I say it was it was good for South African football because the fans really weren't interested in Afcon because South Africa weren't playing. Now we, let's come back to the. You're still in pre-season. When does the league kick back into action, Dylan? Wednesday we play Stellenbosch away. We've got to go to Cape Town on Tuesday, play Wednesday, we fly back Thursday, and then we play on Saturday against TS Galaxy. And these are six-pointers, big six-pointers for the club. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to coming back to playing Premier League football. So the league kicks back into action on Wednesday. You got a game away. Um, so what is your preparations being? Are you in like a mini pre-season? Yeah, we, we basically, we, we came back. We were supposed to report back on the 5th of January, but the players had not received the salaries for December. So we had to delay that for a week. And when we came back, basically from the 14th, 15th of January, we've been back doing like a, a mini pre-season. Uh, but we've played lots of friendlies. We've had lots of games. Obviously, the, the, the compact cup took me away for a week, which wasn't very, very good for the football team. But, you know, the last two games, we played a friendly against Hungry Lions, 
who are in the NFT. And then yesterday we played uh, Orlando Pirates. And if, if we play like that in, in on Wednesday and on Saturday against Stellenbosch and uh, TS Galaxy, I, I can just see us winning, and not just winning, but winning by many. But then they play well in training games, but when it comes to games, the pressure's different. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So Dylan, you picked up the position at Morocco Swallows, which is one of South Africa's legendary Soweto Giants. Um, how did this job come about and how did you put yourself forward for such a, a, a monumental team? Well, if I'm honest, I, you know, I turned down a couple of jobs in Cape Town. Uh, I took a five-month break. I needed a break. I needed to switch off a few things in, in my life. And it was, it was very, very... It was a very, very good five months break because I was in Durban. So I was walking to Umschlange every day, which is usually about eight, nine, ten kilometers. Um, when I was walking back, it was 20 because I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't walk in a straight line. Um, and then I got a phone call by uh, my agent, Paul, Ma Paul Mitchell. And he said, look, can you get a fly? I was actually walking to the village. He says, look, you've got three hours to get to Joburg. So can you get to the airport by two o'clock? And, and I thought we were just having discussions. I never thought I was signing. I actually just thought we were having discussions about um, possibly joining Swallows. Within 32 minutes, and it was 32 minutes, we did offered me the job, you know? But I wasn't expecting it. I didn't. I didn't look for it. I'd actually planned on coming back to the UK, uh, but you know the the restrictions were still a bit iffy for travelling in and uh, going into that uh, uh, hotel category for for ten days. I didn't really fancy that. So you know, actually, you know, things happen for a reason, and like it did, you know, you get a phone call and. Within an hour, I'm at the airport. An hour later, I'm in the, in Joburg, and 32 minutes after meeting the chairman and the president, I was uh, head coach of Swallows FC. Now you become head coach. Obviously, you have your own technical team, but I've seen that you've also got another legendary South African uh, player who was a stalwart at Kaiser Chiefs, Fani Madita, as your assistant. How's that relationship working to make Swallows better? Well, look, I mean, I've, had, I've always had issues with technical teams when, I, when I've joined clubs because they've been forced upon me and I've not been able to bring in my own, you know, staff. So it's been very, very difficult to, to, to get to know the people. But I played against Fanny in the 80s. Um, he's a good guy and uh, people are telling me not to trust him. People are telling me, you know, don't give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, the, the, but, you know, to be fair, I, I knew Fanny obviously in the 80s, but I also knew him in 2009 when we both played together down in Durban for a team veterans called Crocodiles. So I, know, I knew all about Fanny and to be fair, he's been really, really good. He's been really, really good. Uh, been very, very happy. Um, he's not a coach. He's not, he's not that um, assistant coach that you need in a football team, but it brings, it brings a bit of calmness, a bit of, you know, spontaneity to the, to the squad. And so far, I've got no qualms with him, and, and it's, it's very, very good. You know, and, and the big thing about South African football, you, you have to have a healthy backroom team because there's a lot of bitterness here. There's a lot of jealousy. 
you know, there's a lot of backbiting and there's a lot of two-faced people in football in this country. Well, there's a lot of two-faced people all over the world, but in football here, there's nice and friendly to your face. But as soon as you turn your head, you know, they're whacking you over the back of the head with a, with a baseball bat. That's how it works in this country. So uh, it's, it's been done to me three times before, you know. Um, so, yeah, lessons learned and, you know, I, I have to trust him. I have to trust them. And, and if they don't, if they don't do the work, you know, I, I have to, you know, have a word with them. But so far, so good. So, Dylan, now you've taken over Swallows. You've got some positive technical support as well. A bit different to what you had in the past. What are some of the ambitions you have for Swallows and some of the challenges that you've come into face while being at Swallows? Ambitions is to keep them up and then next year change the whole thought process and structure of the players and the staff and the and the ownership. Uh, trying to trying to help them, trying to educate them on the best way forward for football. And if I can do that, then you know, which I haven't been able to do in the last three clubs because at the end of each every every time I've I've tried to go forward with the club, something's happened and, and I've never been able to you know do what I want to do or try and help the club in the way that I, I believe if I, if they do it the, the the correct way, they'll be very very successful. Um, but we're in the Ned Bank Cup last 16. We won uh, last weekend against TS Sporting. Very difficult game, but we won. And I've got the next six games are vital for this club, and and they're all winnable, but they're all losable in this league because there's not really a team that can stand out and set the league talking apart from Mamelodi Sundowns. You know, 17 points ahead, and they've got 10 games left. You know, I don't think anybody's going to catch Mamelodi Sundowns. But it's it's important that we try and and do the the right thing with with the football club because it's an historical football club because it's a very very big football club in the 70s, 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Then it it faded like kind of like a Leeds United. It kind of faded out, and now they're back. Now we've just got to make sure that we we, we, we try and keep them in the league as, as, as much as we can. So, but, you know, only time will tell, and I've, I haven't got the time. You know, I've got 12 games left in... We've got 12 games in three months, so basically we're going to be really, really busy. Uh, I've just got to trust my players, and I've got to trust the owners to, to make sure we keep the players happy, because that's what you've got to do here. You know, Connie. You've got to keep players happy in this country. You've got to keep people happy in this country. Yeah, that the players weren't paid for December. Yeah, it was. Um, um, there's, a, there's, there's, there's issues with salaries, and um, the, the, the Swallows were banking on a sponsorship from Telcom. That got that got kicked out by the PSL chair because it it didn't work with the DSTV and they over-budgeted, overspent, and then the sponsorship got withdrawn. So the commitment that they've got to salaries and paying players is, is, is now a, is, 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 is hard to come by because the chair is having to pay out of his own pocket probably maybe two, 2.4 million a month. You know, because the PSL grant of 2 million a month doesn't cover the wage bill. You know, but... My chairman's young, he's ambitious. You know, this is his first full, se- second full season in the PSL. Um, 
And let's say you always, you, you know yourself, you, you, you'll, you'll find out how good you are by the mistakes you make, you know, and, and how good you can be by how you fix the mistakes, how you, 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 te you tend to overcome those mistakes and, and make it better. Um, but I spoke to him this morning and I said the team spirit is excellent and you know we, we lost one player because of salary issues um, Tabo McClabber went to Royal AM last week uh, so yeah so it's, it's it, it comes with it comes with little issues but they become a big thing because of it, it affects players mentality so just the last time we spoke, and I'm sure you can remember this, you made some very bold statements about uh, the next time you get back into this league, you want to win this league. You also spoke about uh, Benny not being as successful as he was in his first season at Amazulu, which is almost coming to be true. Do you still stand by those points? Yeah, I, listen, somebody's got to challenge. Somebody's got to give Sundowns a, a, a game. You know, somebody's got to... Sundowns can buy anybody. Sundowns have got money. So they can buy the best players. They, they tend to buy the best players from the, the teams that are beating them. You know, so they, they will always buy the best players or they'll have the best players. Uh, but buying, buying success doesn't always work. You know, bringing success is not about spending money. What it is, it's about bringing the right people and having the right players as I call it, right jigsaw pieces that can fit together to, to make the picture. And if you try to fit people or players that don't fit into that picture, you know, no, no matter how, you, how many times you twist it, turn it, bang it in or force it in, it doesn't work. And that's that's, that's how I look at football. And, and, and that comes back from my days at Leeds United, at Reading, at Kilmarnock, when, when I played with so many talented players and, and worked with so many good uh, managers and coaches. You know, it's about getting the right people into the club that fits your football club. Um, I've inherited 48 players. Ten are on loan. I've still got 38. We have we have players coming in on, for trials every single day. You know, oh, this guy's a good player. This guy's the quality. This guy's going to be amazing. You know, two, two looks at them, you know, I would say 89%, 90% uh, they're, they're not up to standard, but people th seem to think that you know they can just talk to the chairman and the president and the CEO and say, "Oh, I've got this great player," you know, and and, and expect that he can just come and you know the, the club will sign him. But I'm one of these coaches that have got a lot of contacts in Africa, so if I, I know somebody's coming from Tanzania, I phone up my Tanzania people and ask them about him. If he's from Kenya, if he's from Rwanda, from uh, Angola. Uh, Algeria, wherever they are, I, I've got people that can tell me if that person's the right fit for my team. Personality, character, attitude. Uh, does he smile in training? Does he does he laugh in training? So I have to find out all that out before you know we we, 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 we commit to us. But I inherited, like I say, I've got 38 players in the squad right now. I've got um, 10 players that are not going to play but you know that's 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 football that's where the club is at the moment 38 players no wonder the salaries can't be paid yet dylan you're almost exactly, exactly. you're almost remember, 14 remember players the, over budget here well remember i mean like i said the, the, the telecom's a big phone company here 
and obviously there's Telcom, MTN, and uh, Vodacom. It's uh, they had a really good sponsorship, and but uh, the PSL decided that it wasn't conclusive to the DSTV because of the live streaming of football games. So Irving Cosa said, no, we, we unfortunately can't do it. But they'd already spent the money. They'd already spent that money. So, um, and they've not got that money to spend. <laughs> so it's coming out, unfortunately, it's coming out the chairman's pocket. And and to be fair, I'll give him credit to it. It, it, it takes him a lot. It takes him weeks to get it, but he does find that money. And, and again, it goes, his family, his family, it affects his family life. It affects his business because he's taking money out of his business to 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 keep his club and keep the players as as happy as they can. Dylan, uh, you've been very gracious with your time. You've been very gracious with making this work today. I love the regionality of how this has happened. I really do. But I've just got one more question. You've been very successful in South Africa on a coaching level, winning trophies and putting teams together. What are your ambitions moving forward now? Are you thinking about returning to Europe to be a coach, being more successful at Swallows, moving to a different country? What is your thought pattern for the future? Right now, this is the biggest challenge I've ever faced. Um, I don't, I don't think many teams uh, have got a, an history like uh, Swallows. I think the chairman has. Has, has, has gambled uh, with the previous coach. He, he, he got him promoted to the PSL. They finished in the top eight last year in the PSL. And, you know, they, they drew, I think out of 30 games that he was in charge, they drew 22. You know, so, um, and, and, and to be fair, the chairman did give him, give him chance after chance after chance, and it didn't work out. And if I if I can get this club uh safe within the next six games then that means I can start to plan a pathway and a, and a, a, a road where this club can be very very successful would I come back to Europe in a heartbeat but I'm not going to get offered that opportunity uh, I've got to be realistic uh, I don't think Agents and, and, and football people in, in in the UK, especially, you know, recognise a foreigner being in Africa doing well compared to a foreigner that comes over to England that's never done anything, but yet then gets a championship job or a championship job, sorry, a, a League One job, even a Premier League job, and gets found out within a couple of months and gets fired. You know, RE Watford, RE Reading. Um, Ari, you know, trying to think who else could go in that on that list. Um, look at Old City, you know, they've, they've just appointed um, a former player that you know, I think I played against him when he was at Dundee, uh, when he was playing in Scotland. Um, you know, came to the club. I can, I can, I can see that in, in a, another three results go bad, he's gone. You know, now you've got an Englishman. We're working under extremely difficult pressures, looking after players, looking after the team, looking after the affairs of the club. You know, the English coaches, British Playing coaches, football in the street with kids. Playing football in the street with kids. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Connie, yesterday I, I was just I was just like, whoa, stop. I told my driver, stop the car. Stop the car, I'm going to play with them. 
and the floor was roasted. I wish I had left my flip flops on. But I spent 15, 20 minutes with them and we had such a laugh. We had such a laugh. I mean, these kids didn't even have shoes. They walked the streets with bare feet, you know? And I took my flip flops off to, to, to have a knockabout with them. I loved it. It was so funny. And, and it's unfortunately that, you know, the, my battery ran out on the phone because there was so we, we, we were, we were, the kids were on the floor because they were, they were doing so many tricks and when it worked, it worked and, and, and they were just so full of energy and laughter. It was great. And because of that video, uh, a lady in Scotland has, has said to me on Monday, she's going to ship out uh, 20 pair of boots. And she says, can you please give them to them kids? I went, 100%. But I mean, you know, who who drives through, you know, the, the, the suburbs of uh, Germiston, where I'm staying at the moment, You've got one that's all nice, and then you've got the town where it's all African, you know. So, and and you get kids playing street football. I've not. I used to play street football when I was a kid. The cars used to come. We used to pick the ball up and get out of the way. And I thought, right, I'm I'm going to enjoy this. I'm just going to have a have a have a have a laugh. They didn't know who I were. They didn't know who I were. Yeah. I was just Lungu. I just some Lungu with a Swallows T-shirt on. They decided to, you know, play keepy up with them. You know why? Uh, you know why? That, that video that you put up, uh, as you know, the Wayne Rooney uh, documentary came out on Friday. And that's what he was speaking about. He said, as a youngster, that's where he grew up playing his football. In the street, in Coxted, in Liverpool, that's where he grew up playing football on the street. And when I saw that clip of yours, I just thought to myself, you never know who that young kid could be. Well, I, I mean, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in contact with loads of soccer associations and soccer um, people all over the world. You know, I've been looking, I've been to America, Asia, Africa, and obviously in England and Scotland. But, you know, when, when you look at it and you look back and you think, well, up until the age of 13, I was never coached. I was never taught football. I just used to play, play on the streets with my friends, play play until we couldn't see the, the football now you're looking in america they've got they've got preschool two to five year old you know soccer coaching and i'm thinking how you know you can't coach a two and three four five year old kid just give them a football and let them run around with it and, and kick it you know let them develop let them learn and if you don't do it that way you know and and you can anybody that wants to teach children at that age there's thousands of jobs available in america you know, um, one company called Soccer Shots, they're advertising for, for coaches to, to teach two-year-olds. Two-year-olds. I mean, they, they, they're barely walking, but they want, they want, want to be able to teach, teach these kids. I think it's great. I think it's great that they've got a foresight of, you know, bringing, bringing these kids to football. But um, it's... Uh, it, it, it's different now. I mean, I don't know if you ever played Kirby. Did you ever play Kirby? Right, from one road, from one side of the street to the next side of the street, you know the pavement where the Kirby's, you used to be able to, you used to bounce the ball and kick it, and you had to hit the curb so it bounced back at you. You know, we used to play that all, you could throw it, you could, for throw-ins, you could throw it, but we used to do it with, we used to volley. So and and I couldn't do that yesterday because the road was too wide. But I wanted to I wanted to show them how to play Kirby. You know uh, that's what I did as a kid. 
my, 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 my auntie, Sandra, she owned a shop and across from the shop was this house, but it had a pristine wall. We were playing wall ball. We were playing wally every day. It used to drive the, we had to do it during the day because the, the parents, the, the, the family were away, either at school or at work. At night time, we couldn't play because we were watching TV and all we could hear was thud, thud, thud. Us playing uh, wally. You know, so it's, um, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different life now. You know, but street football is where I grew up and, and I just loved it. I loved the, the laughter we had. I loved the, the, the buoyancy we had. And I will send you the full video. I don't know, it's on Twitter. It's only 40 seconds, but I've got a five minute video. Please do. And then again, all my friends, all, all my friends who have seen it said I need to, I, I should be, I should just hang up, stop playing football. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dylan, send it, we'll link it to um, this podcast um, and obviously get it out there. But I want to say, Dylan, as successful as you've been, we wish you even more success. Thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for trying to find a quiet area in that noisy pub. 